Good morning, and welcome to Myers Park United Methodist Church. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm Nathan Arledge. What a joy it is to be with you in worship. What a joyful way to begin our time of worship together. If this is your first time, or if you're just visiting with us for a handful of times, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for being here in this space, whether you're here in person or if you're joining us from online. We want to let you know that there's pew pads on the end of each pew. Make sure you register your attendance. Give us some information so that we might be in contact with you. Same thing online. You can just let us know that you're with us, and that way we connect and grow together in a joyful way as we grow in our faith. This morning, I'm joined by friend and colleague Bill Roth. Well, welcome again, and I would invite you to look at all the many announcements in this week in Myers Park, but also in our worship bulletin. I'm going to highlight one especially. Uh, fall is upon us almost. We're getting towards the end of the summer. Football season's around the corner. It means it's time to sign up for our music ministry. If you're interested in the choir or handbells or something like that, uh, get in contact with Sue Bain, uh, email her here at the church. It's time to sign up. Get involved if that's your thing. So we look forward to having you as a part of our church and all the many ministries this fall. And now I invite you to continue in an attitude of worship.
affirmation of faith this morning is the Apostle Creed. It's numbered 881 in your hymnals. Let us unite in this historic confession of our Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. invite you to turn in your worship bulletins to the prayer confession which is printed there let us confess our sins before God and one another let us pray gracious God we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release our past regrets continue to shame us with pain scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. And hear the good news this morning. Christ died for us while we're yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is Matthew chapter 14, beginning with the 22nd verse. Then he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was many furlongs distant from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately he spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Have no fear. 
And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, bid me come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, O oh, man of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. When you do, where do you find yourself lingering? This is a question I reflect on often. Now, it may seem odd, though what it does for me is it helps me be more present, attentive, and cognizant of my surroundings, especially the people I am with or around. I find people and various people groups very intriguing and worth lingering around to hear the various chatter of what's happening, learning a new cultural experience, or maybe just being nosy at an airport and eavesdropping on somebody's tail. Late spring, I led a small group on a book titled Beyond Welcome, which is actually written by a dear friend of mine, Karen Gonzalez. The premise of the book is to consider how Christ followers might extend themselves and their connections within a community to be hospitable to newcomers from near and far. Now, each night as the class would wrap, I would assign a homework task. Now, be sure that I got looks from these folks saying, homework? Why are you giving us homework? But I thought it'd be fun. I thought it'd be a new way to engage in our community, a new way, if you will, to go and linger in spaces where you might not otherwise go. So this particular evening, I asked the group, before you come back next week, go to a market or go to a grocery store where you might not otherwise shop. Extra credit if it's a not English-speaking place. And while you're there, just linger. Just kind of hang out. Take some extra time to get to know what is happening. Take in, observe, be cognizant of the conversations, whether you can understand them or not. Be attentive to those whom you encounter. See, I wanted the class to immerse themselves, albeit briefly, into a space that wasn't all that familiar or comfortable. I wanted them to experience a minority situation for just a moment's time. And everyone did. Everyone participated. Everyone took time to just be there. And of course, bring back delicious snacks for the next week's class. But more importantly, we had delightful conversation around the experience and of the exercise. Some places only had one clerk and one line to check out in, and so there wasn't many people there. Other times, it was in a grocery store that had about 20 lanes, and people were staying there in their lines, talking in the various different languages, and our classmates got to experience it 
all. But most importantly, what happened through that experience was the people just got to linger with the small crowd, seeing who was known by name by the clerks, who comes in weekly to shop for their evening groceries, listening to the stories shared about one another's families and how they are doing and checking in. You see, that's what happens when we linger in places. Whether they're unfamiliar or familiar, you get to know what's happening. You get to know what's unfolding before you. And your name is eventually known, too, and you develop these relationships. And I think about this, and I especially consider it with what Jesus is teaching us in today's passage. With what Jesus did when he was with the crowds on the hillside that day, Jesus lingered with them. Jesus took time to spend all day with this crowd, in fact, and just hung out with them. Earlier in chapter 14, we know that this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. They didn't take into account how many women and children would have been there, so it would have been more than 5,000 people. And Jesus chose to linger with them. Now the disciples, being the disciples, took it upon themselves earlier in the day to tell Jesus that you need to send these people on before it's dinner time because we don't have enough food to give to them. And Jesus, being Jesus, says, you feed them. We know this story. It gives them that commandment. You take care of them. But Lord, we only have five, um, fish and, I mean, five loaves and two fish. How do you expect us to do this? Jesus took and blessed and gave and broke their mindset of scarcity and allowed the disciples to see the abundance of God unfold. But what was unfolding before them as well was that Jesus took time just to be, just to linger, just to hang out with them. And so Jesus doing that for the whole day and in out into the evening isn't all that surprising, right? You see, Jesus and his pure self, Jesus came with and for the world. Jesus came to be with and for the people. Jesus came to be with and for the vulnerable, with and for those who are also called to follow his way of living so that they would do as Christ set an example to do. And Jesus, being there on that hillside that day with all those gathered with the disciples as well, is teaching the disciples and teaching us just what it means just to be, to be still, we relate to this because we're not a still society, are we? We don't do well just sitting still. We don't, just, we don't do well just lingering. So we need this example before us just to be in pause and to slow down. I don't do well at all sitting still. I like to go. I like to move. I like to see new sights. I like to hear new people. I want to go, go, go. But if we reduce our life to just a glorified checklist and to-do list and say, look what I've done, look what I've accomplished, look what I've gotten through, are we also coupling that with, listen to the story when I spent more time with this neighbor. Listen to this joyful moment that I learned from a new people group that I was lingering around in a grocery store, perhaps. Christ setting an example for us is what we need in a hurried world for us just to slow it down a little bit, to take note of what is happening before us and with and through us for those whom we encounter. My wife and I, Molly, have two small kids, Carter and Cameron, five and four years old, 
and they are in need of having good examples set before them, just as I am in need of having good examples set before me. And so all the time in our house, we're trying to coach and trying to guide and trying to steer our children to have good examples and set good examples. So we'll turn to Carter every once in a while and we'll say, set a good example for your sister. Be the leader, be an example for her. Maybe not so many elbow drops off the back of the couch this week. And we'll turn to our sister Cameron and we'll say, Cameron, can you set a good example for your brother? Can you help lead him from the age that you are? Maybe teach him to dance a little bit in the kitchen and just be with each other. We want to feed off of one another. We want to receive examples and we want to give examples. We want to help one another grow. And we also want our kids to go out into the school being decent human beings. So in order to do that, Molly and I have to set good examples as well. We have to show the kids how to be thoughtful, how to be curious, how to be gentle, how to be tender, how to be compassionate, and of course, passionately cheering for the Braves too. Get that in there. All of these examples, all of these moments in life that we have to offer to one another is through examples, through guiding, through teaching, through being with, and that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is showing us how to just slow it down. Jesus is showing us by example of what it means to really be attentive and to listen to the crowds that we're intermixing with, the people that we're spending time with, even our inner selves. Are we listening to ourselves? Are we listening to our bodies? Christ also sets another example for us in this passage. Christ tells the disciples, commands them the second commandment of this um, chapter. It says, you guys get in a boat and go on across the sea. And Jesus then doesn't go back to the crowds and rush them off. He eases them on. He dismisses them slowly, still spending intentional time with them. And after the crowds have dispersed and they've gone back to their places, Jesus sets another beautiful example for us. He goes on top of the mountain to be in prayer, to slow it down even more, to be in conversation with God, to linger with God, to draw close to God in order to draw closer to those whom he was soon to meet on the other side of the sea so that he would have that spiritual nourishment to meet those people where they are as well. Prayer. Jesus sets the example of prayer, knowing that we need to pray, knowing that the disciples were needing to see what it meant to be in prayer, and not just in bad and chaotic times, but in all times to be in prayer. Over the past few years, we as a church have developed this beautiful relationship um, in McAllen, Texas with First United Methodist Church McAllen and also Catholic Charities Respite Center. And while we have done such, we have learned and become really good friends with somebody by the name of Sister Norma. She runs the Catholic Charities Respite Center. She lingers with some of the world's most vulnerable populations, from asylum seekers to home insecure to food insecure, those facing addiction, and those who need to get out of the Texas heat and come in for some rest and care. So on one particular trip, we were down there with friends from First McAllen and ourselves, and we were around with Sister Norma, and she was going on about the day's task, 
and it finally came to a pause, and I said to Sister, I said, Sister Norma, will you explain to my group here how you are able to tirelessly and day after day do this relentless work? It was great. I had the floor. I had everybody quiet, listening intently. I just knew that she was going to lay out this wonderful structured regimen of how she cares for herself and those whom she works with. She took a quick breath, and she leaned over and said, prayer. And she went back to doing her task. Prayer. That was it. Prayer. That is it. Prayer and lingering with God so that we might have clarity of how to linger and be with our vulnerable to be with the secure and the insecure, the well-to-do and the not-well-to-do, the family and the non-family member, the stranger and the familiar. Prayer will always prepare us of how to engage in all of these situations and many more in life. See, when Jesus commanded the disciples to leave, and when Jesus eased the crowds away, and when Jesus goes to pray, he's doing so to reconnect with God and strengthen his spiritual resolve just as we ought to do when we need to break away and strengthen our spiritual resolve and to be able to go and be with God. See, prayer should play such an integral role in our lives, and not just when times are going bad or disruptive. We see that in example by Peter, right? So Peter calls, sees and calms down once he sees it's Jesus, and he says, call me out! And Peter and Jesus says, come on out, come on the water, you're good to go. And Peter goes, and then he gets frightened, and he starts to sink, and then he reaches out his hand and says, Lord, save me! And a shout of prayer. We've all have been there. We have all experienced those moments where we're lifting our hand to God and saying, Lord, save me! I'm facing this hard decision in life. Lord, save me. There's a tragedy happening in my family. Lord, save me. There's other health crises that need attention. Lord, save me. And to be sure, these prayers matter. And prayer should be constant. It should be the way in which we start and end and order our days. Prayer ought not be cheapened to a conditional statement or a bartering chip with God. Prayer is more than that and more crucial to our spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being. I barter with my kids all the time. If you pick this up, then you can have 10 minutes on the iPad. If you pick this up, then you can go and have ice cream. If then, statements. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer prepares and readies our hearts and minds for what situation might be before us that we don't even know about or the ones stirring within us that we intimately know. Prayer is that important. And you see, I must confess that I, I need to improve my prayer life. I'm not saying that trivially. I really mean it. I need to improve my prayer life. I remember a time when I was over at South Tryon United Methodist Church. It was when Ray McKinnon was the pastor there, and he and I were talking to a worshiper after service. She was pouring out her heart of a particular hard family situation and a physical ailment that was bothering her. And so as Ray and I were both drawn deeply into her story, there was a moment where she was wrapping up, and I quickly interjected, and I said, 
we will pray for you. And an awkward pause filled the air, and Ray looked at me and says, well, pray. You see, I had tucked it away to pray later. I had tucked it away to handle later, not then, of course. See, again, I need to improve my prayer life. And I'm willing to bet that that's for some of you as well, that I'm not alone in that. You know what? I find comfort in that. I don't find the type of comfort where remaining where we are in our prayer life is fine. I find comfort that I know that I have friends, and you have friends such as yourselves in this space, that can turn to one another and say and hold one another responsible and accountable. That we can say to one another, hey, how is it going with your soul? How is your prayer life? And we can take time to stop and pray with one another to strengthen who we are as followers of Christ. Prayer, it matters so much for who we are. And we owe it to ourselves, and dare I say even to God, that we linger a little more with God, that we linger in prayer so that we can connect with God for when those times of hard situations arise for us to navigate, that we know that we are drawing from the depth of the well of our prayer life that will give us that resolve to handle those situations. Not going to be easy, but we know that through prayer that we're not alone, that God is right there lingering with us. And so as the story goes, the disciples with Jesus reach the other side of the sea after that night of storm calms down, and they are met with another crowd, with individuals, beloved children of God, many more who are sick and ailing, those who are hurting, those who are curious of who this Jesus fellow was. And the disciples and Jesus get out. They meet their beloved sisters and brothers there waiting on the shore. And what was it that empowered them to do the work that was before them? What was it that strengthened them to heal? What was it that opened the eyes and hearts of the disciples to meet the people where they were and see them as worthy and beloved children of God? What is it that strengthens us to serve? What is it that equips us to linger with individuals and crowds? What is it that enables us to endure the storms of life? What is it that strengthens us when we don't have anything else to say or do? And what is it that affirms God's presence when nothing else can? What is it, church? It's prayer. Let us go to God in prayer. Most merciful and patient God, as we gather to hear your word this day, calm our spirits and still our minds so we can receive your message with clarity and respond in faithfulness. We praise you for the many ways you come to us. In moments of fear, you speak with words of reassurance. 
in moments of doubt, you reach out your hand to hold. In moments of turmoil, you bring calm to the storm. Now strengthen us to live with courage and perseverance and to linger with you. Lord, in your mercy, surprising and mysterious God, you come to us when we least expect it, calling us out of our routines and plans, inviting us to follow Christ into new opportunities. We pray for all who face upheaval and uncertainty, whatever the cause. Fill our hearts with compassion and understanding for the fearful. We pray today for those who struggle with illness or grief. And we especially remember the family of Janet Bradshaw in their time of loss. Equip each of us to reach out in every way we can to embody your love in our words and in our actions. Lord, in your mercy. God of hope, you challenge us. You come to us during the world's troubles and invite us to stand for truth and to work for justice. So we pray for all those people crying out for fair treatment, working against racism and discrimination. Open our hearts with understanding and motivate us to act with justice. Lord, in your mercy. Today, we pray for those who resist the stories of injustice and defend inequality. Open their minds to the truth they deny. Show them new possibilities for relationships that bridge divides. And send your spirit to work in our communities to create mutual respect and new ways to live together as neighbors. Lord, in your mercy. Faithful God, we placed our trust in you and your purposes. Answer our prayers according to your wisdom and will, for we offer them humbly in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. My dear friends, the many ministries of this church would not be possible without your support. So in advance of your generous giving, on behalf of the lives that you'll touch today through your gifts, I give you thanks. Ushers, if you'll come.
faithful God, bless the gifts we bring to you today. Use them and us to plant seeds of faith, hope, and love in the world so that your goodness will flourish and your name be honored. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. joyful promise it is that God lingers with us, that God sets an example of how we are to go into this world sharing God's compassionate love each and every single day. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.